Hello and welcome to another episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined as always by Craig Mish. Craig, how you doing this Friday morning? I'm doing very well. Looking forward to having baseball back on the field here on this Friday. And, and certainly we are uh, approaching the trade deadline. A lot of interesting uh, things happening in baseball. This has been some 2020 season, no doubt about that. They say you want to cover baseball and you want to get involved in it. Well, <laughs> this is the this is by far the most interesting year that uh, that I've ever had being involved in baseball in any way. Interesting, definitely the word for that. That's for sure. And it, you know, it started with all the COVID stuff and we'll actually get into that a bit with Mel Stottlemyre Jr. later in our interview later in this podcast. But first, uh, you mentioned getting baseball back on the field tonight. That's because last night the Marlins and the Mets did not play in their scheduled game, what was supposed to be their final matchup of the season, protesting police brutality and in, in the name of Black Lives Matter. Uh, there was a 42-second moment of silence as the Marlins and Mets took the field uh, for the first time last night. Lewis Brinson, as the leadoff hitter, then placed a Black Lives Matter t-shirt on home plate, and both teams exited the field not playing alongside a number of other teams across Major League Baseball who had decided not to play last night and sort of follow in the footsteps of the NBA, the WNBA, and a number of other athletes who have decided not to play in games this week. Craig, after the game, Don Mattingly, Lewis Brinson, Miguel Rojas spoke to the media. What was going on in that media session? What were some of the thoughts? What's been going on with this from the Miami Marlins perspective? Yeah, a really, I think, heartfelt day, especially from the Marlins' uh, point of view, because that's the, the way that I took it, is, is you know clearly covering the Marlins. But seeing what happened all around Major League Baseball with all of the games postponed, certainly the players are in, in baseball as well as the other sports are making their voices heard. And, uh, and then we'll have to hope from their perspective and from all of our perspective that change uh, happens. And certainly, uh, you know, I think that's very important in this country. And, and I think Don Mattingly uh, said it best on a couple of different levels. Uh, most importantly, uh, we just want people to be treated equal and fair. And, and I think that that's all you can ask in this country is for that. And so uh, that is the hope with their voices. And I think it is important to play the games. I think it is important to be on the field. And I think it is important to be on the court. And I think that those players, if they want their voices heard, such as they have over the last 48 hours, can continue to do that and use the platform and able to speak on that. Uh, but I do uh, really want to see games played. I want to see the season played out. Uh, the Marlins are in particular in a very good position right now to potentially make the postseason for the first time right. since 2003. And uh, and I certainly am looking forward to this weekend as well. Uh, today, uh, Friday, as we're, we're doing this podcast, we're going to have Mel Stottlemyre Jr. discuss all of the intricacies as to what has happened specifically with all of the players that have been brought in. And unfortunately, soon we'll have to be exiting out for some incoming players as well. So that's coming up in about 10 minutes from now. Uh, but just to kind of uh, tie a bow on this, today is Jackie Robinson Day. And uh, at 942 uh, on Friday morning, the Marlins uh, announced a $420,000 donation to the Jackie Robinson Foundation to establish an annual scholarship earmarked for African-American students from uh, South Florida. And so uh, you know, there's going to be an annual scholarship beginning in the fall of 2021 and an additional 20,000 donated by the Miami Marlins as well. So that is putting your money where your mouth is in terms of the Marlins. It should come as no surprise. You have uh, a partial uh, owner and Derek Jeter, who's African-American, a president who's African-American. And so you know that they are going to be ahead of this. 
as opposed to following this. And so certainly uh, that's something that I wanted to mention today here on the show. Uh, In terms of Jackie Robinson Day, I've always been a huge fan of this. I think it's fantastic. It's always been a confusing day for me as well, once a year, looking on the field and not knowing uh, some of the players, because again, they're wearing 42. Every jersey is 42. Right. I've always felt it uh, as a little bit of a confusing day. Watching highlights, specifically going back, guys making catches, and, and of course, everyone's yeah. wearing 42. I've always found that really interesting. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, a, a very well done thing by Major League Baseball. One of the the great initiatives that they've had. Now, mm-hmm. on to the Marlins specifically. Here, they're going to play the Tampa Bay Rays this weekend. And given the fact that Friday's game or Thursday's game was pushed back, postponed, canceled, however you want to say it, there's going to be have to have some adjustments being made, Jeremy. And so it's time for right. us to sort of figure out now on the baseball side what's next. Right. And as you said, to, to put a little bow on that, Jackie Robinson Day coming the day after this protest feels like just sort of poetic there. But as they head into Jackie Robinson Day, as they head into this weekend series with Tampa Bay, You've mentioned and, and, and we've you know known from, from reporting over the last week from you, some of these players are coming back. Sandy Alcantara will be back soon. Mel Stottlemyre makes, makes note of that in our interview as well. As these players are coming back, what should we be looking for this weekend from the Miami Marlins and sort of the roster moves that are going to have to happen? Sure. 17 players, and of course Miguel Rojas was the 18th. Miguel Rojas right. with the club now. So so you're you're looking at 17 players I think inevitably that will be back but it is my understanding that as much as everybody wants some of these players back especially in terms of the bullpen remember this was a complete shutdown for almost a month and so right. similarly to any shutdown of a pitcher there is a build back up time for the starting pitchers it's a little bit different you have them throwing every five days and building up their arm strength, building up their pitches and ready to go, which is, I think, where Sandy Alcantara is and where I think uh, Caleb Smith is as well. Those players Mm. indeed will be ready for uh, 2020. Now, from the bullpen point of view, Jeremy, it's a little bit different because the bullpen arms need to prepare to pitch two days in a row. They need to prepare to pitch sometimes three out of every four days. And that's not something that has come as easy for the bullpen arms. And and certainly I think that is something to watch this weekend. And it is my understanding from what's gone on there. And again, I'm getting reports. I check in pretty much every day just to see what has happened, who has pitched, who has thrown, who has looked good, who is ready. Because again, this is a lot of players, 17 players. So right. uh, I'm, I'm, and again, I'm not getting full reports. I'm just getting reports on essentially who is ready. And, and it is my understanding that Yimi Garcia is the only one at this point who, mm. who the Marlins feel is, is ready. And certainly that could change. And uh, look, I've been wrong before on different uh, things for, in terms of pitching. And this is all speculative. And, and a lot of this is TBD. But it, it is my estimation that he is going to be the first bullpen arm back and the first high leverage bullpen arm back. And then I think that you'll see uh, players brought back slowly. This will not be a weekend series where all 17 players come back. I don't think that that is going to be the case. So I would look on the bullpen side for Yimi Garcia to be back this weekend. Whether or not, as we do this on Friday, it is for Friday's game, Saturday's game, or Sunday, I do think he will be activated. I I also, as as I mentioned, uh, Sandy Alcantara and Caleb Smith will also both be back. But because of the pushback, 
I don't know how Miami is now going to handle the Saturday and Sunday and even next Tuesday and Wednesday starter. Remember, they don't have a game on Monday. So uh, I, I would think they would keep Pablo Lopez in line, maybe Eliezer in line, and that would put Sandy and, and Caleb Tuesday and Wednesday. But we're just going to have to see. And it's really hard to predict starters <laughs> at this point yeah. all across Major League Baseball. So uh, you're, you're getting some guessing from me, but you're also getting some some information and some facts, which is look for Garcia to be the first bullpen arm back. In terms of the offense, really the two key players at this point that you're looking uh, to get a return from are Garrett Cooper and Harold Ramirez. And it is my estimation that both players are ready. All right. And both players are ready to return. Whether or not they are activated and back Friday, Saturday, Sunday, after the trade deadline, I can't say. But I, but I know that those players have taken at-bats. I know both of those players have looked good in all of their at-bats. They faced Caleb Smith. They have faced Sandy Alcantara. So... How better can you? How much better can you prepare than facing those players? And and I got to tell you, the Marlins need both of those guys. <laughs> I mean, they they really do. I mean, they need both of those players back in in their lineup at least sporadically uh, over the course of the next week or so. So I I would look for uh, both Cooper and Ramirez to return this weekend as well at some point. And along with Yimi Garcia, you'd be looking at three guys right there back from right. from the seventeen. Uh, and then with Alcantara and Caleb Smith, that would make five. And and then you have the rest of the bullpen arms, Jeremy, and those guys, I, I believe, are going to need a little bit more time from what I understand. But it, but it's within the next week. And as they matriculate back to the team, you got a team sitting at, what, what 14 and 12 as we speak right now. Back-to-back series wins. It turns out, you know, with, with no game played on Thursday, that's a series win against the Mets. They win it 2-1 with taking that doubleheader. This team sits in prime playoff position still as we approach the halfway point of this season. Before we get to Mel Stottlemyre Jr., any final little notes here as we do head into this Tampa Bay series and beyond? The trade deadline is Monday, and we'll have a a trade deadline uh, special, I would say, next week, maybe on Tuesday or Wednesday, just recapping what the Marlins end up doing. I don't think it's going to be very much. Right. I think that the way that the Marlins view this is, is the way that a lot of teams view this, where they have players on injured lists that are coming back, and, and those are kind of going to be the trades. Now, I will say this. I was given no indication whatsoever— last year that Zach Gallen was getting traded for uh, Jazz Chisholm until the deal happened. Right. I was I had zero indication that the Marlins were going to trade Nick Anderson for Jesus Sanchez and Ryan Stanek until about five minutes before, well, maybe a little bit longer than that, maybe about an hour before the deadline that there was going to be another deal. So that's not fair. I, I want to say that. So <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't have any, a lot of indication leading up to that. And so... Who am I to say that the Marlins don't pull off some deal that we don't see going into right. the Monday deadline? I can't specifically say that, but it is my understanding, at least from the discussions, is that nothing has progressed to the point where they have been close. And I'm going to guess that there will not be a deal such as the one that you saw last year. And the Marlins are viewing this that their trades are essentially the arms that they're bringing back from Jupiter. And the starting pitchers that they're bringing back from Jupiter as they've been there now for a few weeks getting ready. And and potentially there could be a player or two moved. But but I don't, Jeremy, I don't I don't see anything significant happening at this point. And the good news is that what could have happened in New York 
if you're looking at it from the glass half empty point of view is the Marlins could have lost every game and they yep. could have lost every game this weekend in uh, in Miami against Tampa Bay. And that could have completely changed all of their plans on Monday. But they've stayed in this thing. And regardless of what the results are this weekend against the Rays, and it is a very tough series, make no mistake about it. They have not played well against the Rays. Uh, no. it, 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 it could be a situation where they hold. It could be a situation where they go further in than what they what we think, but mm-hmm. they have, at least from the conversations that I have had, and I have not been, since this has all started, I have not been lied to or misled once, I don't get a very strong indication that they're going to make a deal. Going into last trade deadline, uh, I, I didn't get an indication one way or the other, but I wasn't told directly, hey, like, don't look for anything significant. I was told right. this time around, don't look for anything significant. So, uh, look, that could change, and then I'll have to go back in and ask and say, hey, what changed? But it's a, it's a different scenario, I think, at the deadline. The other part of it, too, Jeremy, is that can Miami take on a lot of money with a player? I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. we, it's... <laughs> they haven't had fans there. It, it, the dynamic is very tough for a lot of teams. I, I'm sure that even though the Giants have put themselves back in this thing, they would love to move Brandon Belt or Johnny Cueto or or Jeff Samarja or these or these huge contracts that they have. But who can take them on? Nolan Arenado is probably the best third baseman in in baseball. Who can take them on right now? Who who can pay right. these guys that money? So I, I think we'll know a lot more in the winter. But as we head into Monday, I think that you're looking at subtle deals if any deals at all and then uh, that and then you'll see all the players come back and that will those will be the major acquisitions i believe that the marlins will make yep those are the biggest trades in baseball getting sandy alcantara caleb smith jose urania and company back you will hear more about those guys and more right here as you listen to mel stottlemyer jr only on swings and misses And as promised, we deliver the pitching coach of the Miami Marlins in what has been an excellent season for both their pitching staff and the club thus far. They are going to be home Friday night against the Tampa Bay Rays, and certainly we're excited to see what happens, what transpires in the 60-game sprint. Mel Stottlemyre Jr. joins us now here on the podcast. Stott, great to see you. Great to talk to you again. How are you? Well, it's it's things are good. You know, we <clears throat> think we've held the fort down and uh, anxiously still waiting for some other casting members to show up, but no, it's been good. It's, uh, it's, it's been unique. It's been different. It's been crazy. It's been all above, but, uh, you know, I tell you what, I think we've done, done a hell of a job to, at, you know, at this point with, with what we've been given and, and where we are right now and, and moving forward, we know what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've done a heck of a job, my friend. I mean, with everything, with everything that has happened. Um, so, so did you, when a, a month ago, let, let's go back here a minute, a month ago, you're sitting in this hotel in Philadelphia. You've had a long career uh, as, as a player, uh, as your whole family's been involved in baseball and, and all this stuff is happening. And you're sitting in that hotel. Stott, are you thinking, my gosh, like, what is going to happen here? Are we going to play? Are we not going to play? You're in the same room for a week calling calling your players, telling them, grab a sock, put a ball in it, throw it against a pillow. Like, what's going through your mind at that time? Well, I mean, I've, I've never <laughs> tried to stay optimistic. And, and to be honest with you, I, I, I did a lot of self-consultation, you know. And I, I got it. I mean, those tough times. You know, we, we talked a lot about 
between the, the two spring trainings about what we were doing to keep our guys ready and what went into it, you know, and, and it, it's like it all got pulled out underneath. Uh, and, you know, you start to think about moving forward. I'd had numerous conversations, you know, with our rotation and trying to protect them put them in positions or making sure that, you know, the social distance and just try to make young guys, you know, cognizant of the magnitude of, you know, if, if that was to happen and, you know, it was in there and it happened, uh, you know, and then the next move of like, you know, are we, are we going to play? Where are we going to get bodies? How are we going to get through this? You know, uh, is it going to take them a month? You know, I was here in 26 to 30 days. And my, my initial thoughts was, it's like, if they go into complete shutdown, they're, they're lost. They're lost for the season. But yet we're not there to like, how much can I give them? What can I ask them to do to, to try to, you know, when, when they do get tested and can come back, it's like, you know, where are they going to be at? And they're all different. You know, I can tell you, you know, they all respond different. Their personalities are different. How they work different, they're, you know, they have different to some degree of toughness to to a lot of them. And, and uh, you know, I got one of them that went down and threw two bullpens and told me he's ready to go. You guys could probably guess who that is. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I, wanted to, I wanted him to go too, but he obviously needed a progression and buildup. So we... The, the organization's done a great job in putting some some pieces together and, you know, the guys like Costano that come in and, you know, hold the fort down for us and give us chances to win. And Hernandez took off, right? He's been a reliable major league starter. Pablo Lopez, you know, this guy's still been, it's been one of the brightest stories. Yeah. We can talk about Sandy. I love Sandy. I love Sandy where he's at and I love where he's going. But Pablo Lopez, you know, what he's done. This guy has, I mean, he's matching up with DeGrom, and, and he doesn't care anymore. He's passed some things. So, uh, but to, to go back to your, to your question, I, yeah. I was really unsure what was going to hap, happen moving forward. You know, are we going to play? How are we, we going to do this thing? How are we going to get by? Three, three-fourths of our rotation has gone. You know, you, you just can't murder a bullpen, you know, and, and have it withstand the punishment that you think that's going to be endured. And, you know, to their credit, we beat our bullpen up. Yeah, you but, did. But we are here. We are here because of what they've done. Vincent's, Hoyt's, you know, the Blyers, J.A. Smith, Tarpley. We beat them up. And, you know... Uh, we're here because because of them. Yeah, no, th- th- there's no doubt. And, and and look, you you've been able to hold it together with all of these guys. And so, uh, not to go back once again, Stott, but look, Mike Hill's the one who's making the moves, and and you're tinkering with the pieces, you and Donnie. And so, there there had to be a point where Stott, like you're bringing in four, five, six, seven, ten names. You're seeing these names. And, and I'm guessing there's maybe some familiarity with them, but even Donnie had said he had never met any of these guys. I mean, Stott, how can you, 
How can you work with a pitcher like this? You haven't seen them in the spring. You haven't seen them in summer camp 2.0. Is it, hi, my name is Mel Stoudemire Jr. What do you do? What do you throw? Like, tell me, like, how, how does that work? Yeah, so, you know, what, what you do, first of all, I got some, I had history with Mike Morn, uh, Nick Vincent, had those guys over in Seattle. So, you know, the, the other ones that had any experience at all, I dug in. I dug in, I made phone calls. Kind of like we all you know, we all do on all our players in the off season, but it had to happen quick. I mean, we were firing them games like, you know, they were, they were all Dennis Eckersley. Like we knew what we were going to get. And there was some risk. I mean, you know, we, we tried to, to study their stuff. We tried to find out as much information as we could. We tried to match them up based on their pitches to different pockets and uh, put them in the best position to, to have success. And it worked out for a long time, right? I mean, we look like geniuses, but you know, they don't always work out. Uh, and, and we were still trying to find out about a lot of these guys too. Uh, some of these guys were down quite a bit where they hadn't thrown a lot, you know, Schaefer was one of those guys. Uh, Nick Vincent, I was comfortable because I had watched, you know, we got him over and I'd watched a bunch of videos. Mike Morin had a bunch of downtime. And uh, Hoyt had some downtime, a little bit of downtime, you know. Uh, but I'd watched him when he'd been over in Houston. I knew about him. But still, you know, we fired him in so quickly right into the fire. And they responded. And, and uh, you know, th there was a sense, I'll tell you, there was a sense of comfort because of their experience. And it wasn't like you were firing young you know, prospects in there with guys with great stuff. And, you know, you hope that it, that they could throw strikes. You hope that they can get through, you know, an inning where there's high leverage and, and traffic and all that. These guys have handled all that. So there was a sense of comfort. But, yeah, we still, there was a, still a lot of unknown that we had to find out about these guys, too. And, you know, to their credit, they did a great job. And, I you know, I thought Donnie and I did a decent job of matching up. They're taking their stuff and putting them in pockets and, and matching them up against swing planes and maybe pitches that hitters had struggled against and trying to find, you know, match, match those guys up and put them in, in good opportunities, you know, to, to have success. So, uh, man, it's, it's been patchwork. Yeah. It's been absolute patchwork. Yeah, it, it has, but, but look where the, where the club has come back, you could not have asked for more. And, and, and again, you mentioned beating up the bullpen a little bit. And, and it, that's going to happen. And look at every team stat in baseball. There's so many injuries around the league because of, of reasons like this, where guys are starting and stopping and things like that. The, the one thing that former players have told me and current players have told me about you is the respect factor that you have for them at, at every level, whether the name is Pablo Lopez or Mike Morin. It just doesn't matter to you. You treat these guys like men and you treat them the same. Uh, but but what is it like knowing, and I know that you know, the Marlins are trying to win and get into the postseason uh, in the next, let's say, week, two, three, and we don't have a time frame, a lot of these these guys are going to come back from Jupiter, albeit maybe it's not immediate. And you know that the guys that have kind of got you there may get kicked to the curb again. And, and that, that has to be a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling because I know you and I know that how you feel about these players. And I'm sure you had to have that conversation with Sharp and, and, and there could be some others too down the road. Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. I mean, I mean first of all, that's... Uh... You know, I, I think the greatest the greatest thing in, in life for a coach 
you know, is to have have his play, have the players recognize and say some of those things. So, you know, that that warms my heart up. Uh, and with that being said, you know, we 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 sink we sink a lot of us, you know, and care. And I remember, and I, I've shared this with you before, when I got into coaching, you know, my, my I remember my dad saying that his pitchers are actually his his sons, his kids for the summer. I only know how he treated me as a son. And for him to say that, and then I got I got a chance to witness it. It's like, dang, he's not kidding. You know, I, I mean, he hugs them. He, he cares for them. It, I'm sure he shed a tear with them. You know, I'm, I'm sure he did at some point. And so with that being said, you know, you, you earn the trust of your players. And to a point to where you can go to them, you can get on their butt when you need to and 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 have those tough conversations and knowing at some point you're going to have to sit across that that desk and call them into that office you know and have those those tough conversations that you know it it just it hits your gut it's it's hard and it's part of this business that i never get used to ever because you work so hard to gain their trust and uh, and they feel that, you know. So it makes me sad. And but I also understand, you know, that that it's it's a ruthless business. And I can tell you, Donnie and I, we we talk every day. We spend a lot of time, more so this year, you know, than last year. Donnie was trying to get to know me and and know the things that I like. And uh, our conversations have been great, and we've managed every game. Like it's the last one, I promise you. You know, we took out a starter after four and two thirds with 90 pitches because we thought that he had, you know, he had had come to the end and we were trying to win the game, do the best thing for the ball club. So I think those players understand that. You know, I think guys like Nick Vincent and James Hoyt and, you know, J.A. Smith and, and Blyer and all of those guys, I think they understand the situation. And I think they've probably been through it too. But, you know, the thing that will never go away, they know I care about them, you know, and then they know that I, I want what's best for them. You know, that's, that's not going to go away. So it's not going to make it any easier if and when you got to let go of some good players. And here's, here's the other thing is, you know, we got guys coming. You know, we got our ace coming. As much as I love Pablo and what he's done, mm-hmm. you know, and Hernandez has stepped up. We got our ace coming back, guys. So somebody's gonna have to move over, and uh, the other guys aren't aren't too far behind, and they're they're coming quick. We we drew a plan out, and you're gonna see those guys sooner than later. Yeah, no, and, and so no- tough decisions are gonna be made. And props, by the way, I don't, I don't, I do not. You know, Donnie and I, we manage our players, but you you got to give credit. You got to give credit to Mike Hill and and his staff for bringing in those type of guys that are going to fit in that are selfless and will put their put the team first and those those players have done that yeah and and i think that's well said and people don't really understand that stop because mike uh and and dan greenlee and 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 gary and and the guys that are working behind the scenes have their choice of everyone and chose them and those players were the ones who ended up succeeding in the roles that they have uh, let's leave with this, Dot. I, I know that you've been a part of of being in pennant chases, watching pennant chases, 
and and we all know what's at stake here coming up this weekend against the Tampa Bay Rays. It's very clear the deadline is Monday. There's just so much talk about where the Marlins are at. Uh, I, I would I would imagine you have a strong belief in this pitching staff. You told me last year this was probably the most talented group of arms that you had, and that was even last year. Uh, how does it feel to be in the midst of this? Is it special, exciting, exhilarating, exhausting, all of the above, none of the above? Take me through what you think this next month may look like for the Marlins. All of the above. You know, the exhausting part has been, I, I think, everything that we've had to go through to get to this point. You know, the COVID, losing your rotation, you know. Uh, we, we all, <laughs> I mean, I tell Donnie every day, what would it be like? And take nothing away from the other guys. What would it be like to have our, our rotation and have somebody like, you know, Trevor Rogers come up and add Sixto to it? I mean, it's a pitching coach's dream, right? And that's kind of, you know, when we refer to the talent and guys coming, I, I think you, everybody's starting to see and how this thing's getting pieced together, how those pieces are falling into to place. Uh, that is a great situation moving forward. But I'm going to tell you, that despite all of that and all the distractions, you know, and it's been tough to coach these guys and have the one-on-one conversations, uh, I personally still get chills when we have the national anthem. I know we're in a pennant race, and I get excited about every day. I can't wait to come to work. I show up knowing that we're going to be in a game and we have a chance to win. I I think it's the dynamic, the character of this ball club, and there, there is an excitement. We are in a pennant race. We're getting ready to make the best trade in baseball and getting our guys back. And, and you think about that. You look at the situations around baseball, there's guys injured. They're searching. They're wanting to make trades. They're looking at the Marlins to try to take some of our players. And we are in a pennant race. And, and that is, is exciting. And I've been in them. And I know what that feels like. I think the players are feeling it. I think Don Mattingly has done a a wonderful job from day one in making sure that we keep that in check and that what is at stake and that we come prepared every day to play. And we've kind of had that let's see what happens mentality. And I think now we're at a point it's like we got guys, we we got guys believing. And, uh, man, it's a great feeling. I know everybody's excited. I am. You know, we hope you are. (laughs) <laughs> no, you know I am. Um, I, uh, I on, on a future on a future podcast, the only thing that we could get more excited talking together about would be fishing. So we'll, unfortunately, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have to save that for uh, for the next one. Uh, but congratulations on uh, on all the success. Uh, I've said many times here before, you've done a wonderful job as pitching coach. I was very excited when they uh, re-upped you for a couple of years. So I know I'm going to get to see you here next year as well. Um, We'll be all watching very closely to see how far the Marlins can take this. Thank you again for coming once again on Swings and Mishes, Stott, and I wish you all the best. We'll catch up again soon. Thank you. My pleasure, fellas. Always great talking to you guys.